Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to fucking help. We're comedy writers in Los Angeles, and as a reflex to the madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week. Yay! <laughs> Grace, I wanted to talk to you because right before we came on, I was reading this LA Times article mm. about how movie studios have started doing on-set therapy to deal with the long hours and subject matter of Hollywood film sets. And that's what we were talking about last week with the James yeah. McAvoy Bummer News. It is crazy that like our industry is the only industry that's like, oh, we're allowed to work you for 16 hours a day. And- Are we the only... What about construction? What about factory? What about Amazon? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm They'd just like, it, it's our industry standard that you basically work 12 to 16 hours a day and, you know, Monday through Friday. And those of us who are above the line, it's hard for us, but it's even worse for our crews. So I hope that the people who do the hardest work, our grips, our gaffers, our hair and makeup, all those folks, I hope that they are also getting access to this um, therapy and mental health care. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I was actually thinking about, I thought I would never be one of those people who's like my therapist said in conversation and I do it a, a, a bit now <laughs> um, because I'm so grateful to have that. But like we were talking about with Bossy last episode, self-work is a lifetime job. <laughs> And I'm like, there's something about knowing that businesses are starting to support people too in that, that maybe mental health overall and self-care becomes kind of de rigueur instead of like a thing that only like rich white people deserve. Like we all deserve to take care of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So I love this. Uh, I've never worked on a production that had therapists. Yes, you have, Grace. Insecure had them the final season because of the pandemic. Yeah, we sure did. I didn't even know. In fact, we did. And it was really awesome that HBO provided that because it's hard to wear a mask for 12 hours a day when a life-killing virus is in the air. Yeah. And y'all were shooting before vaccines. Yeah, we started before vaccines and it was was stressful. So I was really happy to know that HBO provided that care. But yeah, there are lots of other ways to take care of yourself. Like in our story time segment, we're going to talk about our first solo trips. And, you know, things we learned along those journeys. Um, and that's that's really exciting to me. Yeah, I can't wait for you guys to hear that. So, Amy, let's get into the show. You got it. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. So, an author, you might have heard this, this was in the Daily Beast, an author faked her suicide and recently came back as if nothing happened. Girl. This started in September 2020. A post on Facebook announced the indie romance author Susan Meachin had died by suicide. She was part of an online community of self-published authors. Her family claimed she was bullied by others in the community, and it led to many of her fans to harass other writers in the community. They even started a GoFundMe to raise money for her funeral. But here we are. 
more than two years later, and on January 3rd, 2023, Miss Meachin came back and she posted, quote unquote, let the fun begin on her account because she never actually died. Wow. What an insane thing to do. But it also reminds me of that Grey's Anatomy woman who pretended to have cancer for like three years. And yeah, I'm like, sure. what is wrong with people? This is dark as fuck. It's bad karma. It is it's very really messy. Um, so there might be some lawsuits to come. I have a feeling. <laughs> but that's not the only bit of bummer news. There's also this. White TikTok influencers have, quote unquote, discovered Miel Organics Rosemary Oil, a product designed for Black women's hair. And now it's flying off the shelves. This was reported in AOL, in Washington Post, and in Essence Magazine. Um, I use Miel Organics Rosemary Oil. That shit mm-hmm. is good for your scalp. Mm-hmm. And on December 27, 2022, there's a white TikTok influencer named Alex Earl who made a video for her top 2022 Amazon purchases. Oh, she she even bought it off Amazon and included Miel Organics Rosemary Oil. And since the release of the video, AOL has stated that, quote, many Miel loyalists are finding the product is sold out at their local stores. First, my question is, why this woman got so much power? And second, I want to say, stay away from her shit and quit making the prices go up and the ingredients change. I'm always like, I want success for brands, but not at the expense of their authenticity. I don't want it to go and go the way of Shea Moisture where it all changes and it's not even good anymore, but white people be buying it. Yeah, it's sort of like in so many ways and in so many industries, not even just this industry. Like if you want to even take a look back, you know, sometimes certain networks will cater to Black consumers Mm -hmm. and then they'll use... Uh, those shows to build up their numbers and then all of a sudden all the black programming is canceled and then it just becomes fully white. And so white people are probably like, well, what's wrong? Like, if we like it too, like, why can't we buy it? Well, let me tell you, girl, what happens is, first of all, it wasn't like this girl was just like, black women have been doing this for years. Indian women have been doing this thing with oil on their scalp for years. And I just decided to try it out. And, you know, it's not like she's no, giving credit or she's never, she's like, it, the, here's the thing. It's just like Columbus. They're just like, we discovered it and it's our mm-hmm. thing now. And um, you're like, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is that it does come with changes to the products because black hair and white hair are two different kinds of hair. So once they know that a product has larger quote-unquote market appeal, they will change the formulations of the products so the things that we have no longer work on our hair. They'll add things like mineral oil and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that will dry out our hair, but it doesn't do anything to white hair because they're often removing oil where we are putting oil in. And then Mm -hmm. the marketing materials will change. Like, so, whereas, you know, you're used to seeing yourself represented in the marketing campaigns and stuff, all of a sudden it's a a blonde with a slight bend in her hair. Yeah, it'll be a white girl with frizzy red hair. And it's like almost the same. (laughs) Remove the frizz. And then the prices go up. You're not able to find it. There's only certain things that work on a hair. You go to any CVS, y'all <laughs> have four and aisles full of yeah, hair we, stuff. We got a row. And we got a half row. <laughs> so that's the reason why we get upset. It's not because we don't want you to use the same shit we use. Like, we're not petty. Yeah. It makes me think of, you remember when that white woman, like, 
invented bonnets and selling them for like $49 on TikTok or something. I thought that was silly and outrageous, but I actually love that. I'm like, don't come to our store and get our stuff. Go make your own and sell it to your people for four times the price. Do that. I'm like, but don't come and change what we have. We we be getting our bonnets for $2 at Sally Beauty Supply. Mm-hmm. So like, don't come and come here and jack our prices up. I would prefer that. I remember even when I was home watching Shark Tank and this woman was selling extensions and she was like, all natural extensions. It's a type of hair called Remy. It's Remy hair. And my mom and I are watching and we're like, what the fuck? Black people have been doing this for years. And they're like, they sell for $249. And we just fell out laughing. I was like, like, Remy, girl? No, it's $299, girl. I was just like, first of all, Remy ain't even the good hair no more. I that know. was like, you got to take like, that back to like you 2010. <laughs> I was like, that's when people were impressed with Remy in 2010 or whatever. Nobody, everybody uses bundles now. Yeah, but I'm so pro that. I'm like, go think you invented it and jack up the price and sell to your people and y'all get broke. Like, don't come and take our shit and then reinvent it. That's what I don't like because I'm like, I don't care because I'm not going into your Walmart and looking for your shit. I'm at Black Target enjoying my life. But anyway, how do you feel after hearing this bummer news phrase? Yeah, it's just a lot of nonsense. Uh, yes. What is nonsense. wrong with people? <laughs> <laughs> it is really, really nonsense. Nonsensical. Uh, How yeah, about you? Frustrating. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like, uh, uh, like I don't want to say rage, but just like low-grade rage, <laughs> annoyance at this yeah. news. <laughs> yeah, annoying. Okay, well, let's get into this antidote. So this is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. Uh, Grace, what was your antidote this week? RuPaul's Drag Race season 15 is back, back, back again. So it's not the just the fact that RuPaul's Drag Race is back for a new season. There was a talent show in this first episode. I have seen 15 seasons plus all-star seasons of mm. amazing performances. And two bitches knocked my socks fucking off. Wait, what do you mean? Tell me more. So there's one by this drag artist. Her name is Anitra. And Anitra is what you call a stunt queen. So she did... What's that? What's a stunt queen? A girl that can do like a lot of tricks and dips and splits and mm. flips. And... Ooh, so she did this original song and it was called Walk That Fucking Duck. You just have to watch it because there's taekwondo, there's <laughs> duck walking. She looks amazing. She sounds amazing. So there was that one. And then there was this other drag performer named Jax. Um, mm-hmm. And she did a La Kelly 47 song. So what I got an attitude, bitch, yeah, I got an attitude. attitude. Exactly. Yeah. So she was performing to that song. She was doing a dance. At one point, she pulls her hair down and turns it into a fucking jump rope. And she starts jump roping <gasps> with her hair to this fucking song. It was so <laughs> gaggy. And so literally all this <laughs> week, I'll just be like doing my hair in the mirror or putting lotion and on my face. And you pull it down and start jumping. And I'm just like, <laughs> so what I got an attitude. Bitch, I got attitude. Or I'd be like, walk that fucking duck, duck walk. Like literally (laughs) all week. It's been bringing me so much joy. I've watched both of those performances at least 20 times because they're one minute each. And so I was truly impressed. That's awesome. I'm excited to watch them. Thanks for yes. telling us about them. Um, so what was your antidote this week, Amy? Kind of my antidote this week was list, starting to listen to Prince Harry's memoir. I <gasps> Ooh, it's started so messy, to listen girl. to Spare. Yeah, and the reason I say it's my antidote because 
it literally has no value in my life. Like it, it's not helping my business do better. It's not really helping me heal. Like listening to this white man is not helping me heal. Um, I don't really like, I'm not invested in the Royals that much, even though I do, I'm like, stay off Megan. But like, damn, I, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm listening to a tabloid. <laughs> and even though he hates tabloids, he's so fucking messy. <laughs> I have listened to the fact that his older brother was like, you don't know me when they got to eat. And he's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know you. You're not my brother. And I'm like, I love that shit. Cause that's like some real older brother shit. I love that. He was like, Oh no, I, they literally have always said that I'm the spare since I was a kid. Like I can be his kidney. I can be mm-hmm. a blood transfusion for him. Nobody gives a shit what I do. Like I'm just like this third thing that nobody cares about. That's why I didn't care about school. Cause why would I want to learn about people that don't matter like me? And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> I'm like this poor boy, but I also am sort of like, his writing is very flowery and I want to know who is the ghostwriter, like who helped him write this book because no way did he do this by himself. My only note for Prince Harry is that there are too many chapters. Like not every sentence needs to be a new chapter. Like puts some of these <laughs> together. <laughs> so, like everything is like, he like says three words and he's like chapter 12. And I'm like, sir, why are these chapters so short? And the other thing that's so fascinating to me about this book is that it's called Spare, obviously because he was the spare to the air. Mm-hmm. But also like, there's this sort of like, had y'all not had him, this wouldn't be happening. <laughs> do you always, do you need a spare? Also, it, this wouldn't be happening if they could just tolerate the fact that this girl is half black and can pass. They, yeah. But they just couldn't handle it. Yeah, so that kind of became my antidote this week is like listening to an audiobook for no other purpose but pleasure um, and mess. <laughs> we love mess. So, yes, we love mess. So if you guys tried any of our antidotes at home, share them with us using the hashtag that's my antidote or leave us a voicemail at 833-684-3683. And also, if there are any other audiobooks you think we should try, let us know. Let us know in the comments because I might branch out and try some more fun little memoirs. But anyway, we'll be back after the break. Welcome to Storytime. The segment of the show where we're going to ask each other a question we've never spoken about before. And who knows where the conversation will go. Grace, you ready? Let's do it. Okay. I would like to hear, because we both some travel babes and we've said so many times that we went to Jamaica together, but I'd like to mm-hmm. hear about your first solo trip and what you learned. Oh, okay. So my first solo trip was when I was in grad school. Mm. I started grad school at 25, so this was 28. So I was like, I've never been to Europe. And I was just like, All my friends are broke. (laughs) They're either in grad school with me um, and have no money, or they're like artists, like, you know, friends with a lot of actors, writers, dancers, you know, in our 20s, didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, well, I don't want to wait anymore to go because my friends can't afford it. Wait, could you afford it? How could you afford it? No, I couldn't afford it either. But like, here's what happened is for my 28th birthday, I asked my parents, I would just like a plane ticket to... England and Portugal. Mm. And then I would like $500 (laughs) to... uh, And so between their $500 and then I did have like a little job at school, Mm -hmm. I was able to save enough money to go on this little journey. So the first place I flew into was London. Mm. And I just remember the cab driver spoke in like heavy cockney. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck 
fuck he's saying? I know it's English, but I don't Isn't know. Isn't that the craziest And he's just like, oh, yeah, this <laughs> I'm like, do I like, speak what? English? <laughs> and I'm just like, what is happening? And I remember he was taking me for a cab. I was like, I hope he's taking me to the right place. Because remember, this was before <laughs> you had smartphones where you could kind of have a map where you could track, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what I do when I get into a cab now. I just like track mm-hmm. like along to make sure that the driver's taking me in the right direction. So I was just like, I hope this driver's taking me to the right place. Then um, he drops me off at this little bed and breakfast that I found. And the lady at the front desk, she's like, are you Grace? I was like, yes. Because you were black. She's She's like, like, we were expecting a black one. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's like, your father has already called. (laughs) That's hilarious. Your father has called to make sure you made it. And I was just like, right. I was just like, I made it. Um, I have a cell phone. I don't know why he's calling, but I was just like, all right. And then he's like, uh, show me to my room. And then I remember the breakfast was really bad there. I mean, I don't know. I was just, British food was tough. Yeah, they ain't known for their food. They're known for their colonization. They're (laughs) (laughs) known for their colonization, right. And so I remember just being hungry. Oh my God. And doing a bunch of touristy stuff by myself. Um, (laughs) And I went to the Eye of London. I went on one of those bus things that, like, they drove us past the Beatles' house and Trafalgar Square and all the different stuff. And I remember I went shopping at H&M. Oh, my God. And I just remember being so broke because I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Your money was cut in half. Yeah. Especially at that time. Quickly. The dollar was very weak at that particular point. And then I went to go see Billy Elliot. I remember. I literally thought you were about to say Billie Eilish. (laughs) And I I was like, what was she doing there? (laughs) Wasn't she an embryo? (laughs) An embryo back then. uh, Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, So, uh, no, it wasn't Billie Eilish, but I went to go see Billie Elliot, and it was like a black boy being Billie Elliot. (gasps) Oh my God, progressive. And so then I took a bus to Manchester, where I have a cousin. And I remember just being so cold and so rainy and so tough. But then I flew to Portugal and that was the scariest part because I didn't speak the language. Oh, shit. I had to get around by like subway. What made you decide to go there? um, Because I also have family there. Oh, cool. But like I went to Lisbon first and Mm -hmm. I don't have family in Lisbon. I have family in Faro. So I went to Lisbon first and then I was just like, what? But everybody was so nice. I remember I had my little guidebook and they just could see it on me. They were just like this poor American girl. And they were so kind. They helped me get around. And, Aww. you know, I went to the Castello Sao George, which I took you guys when we went, um, yeah, beautiful. you know, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And the food was really good. It was really inexpensive back then. So contrary to London, I felt like, oh my God. I remember one night I had like a three course dinner for like 20 euros or something like mm-hmm. that. It was, great. It was amazing. And then I went and stayed with my aunt in um, Faro on her farm. And she took us around to like Albufera and all those different places. And I made it safely back to the United States. So it was like a crazy time. But I was so proud of myself. There was so much personal growth because I was just like, "Ah, here's me on my own. I got to figure it out. Like when shit goes wrong, you know, mommy and daddy are across the sea. So like it was... Uh, very empowered. I felt came back feeling very empowered. And I was like, oh, I can do this. So I don't have to wait for people. If I want to go on a trip, I can actually 
go on trips whenever I want. And so it was a great thing that I got that out of the way so young so Mm -hmm. that I could become the traveling diva that you see before you today. (laughs) So uh, what was your first solo trip, Amy? Well, this is the first time I traveled somewhere solo, but I did it to go to a school. But when I was a junior in college, I was doing study abroad with my school, but I mm-hmm. wanted to get my French better before I went. Mm-hmm. And I there used to be this site called STA Travel. I don't even know if it still exists, but they would have language programs on the site. And I knew that my school program was going to be in Paris, but I wanted to see another part of France. And so I found this program that did like a three-week French immersion in, in Montpellier, which is in the south of France, like in the Côte d'Azur. And I decided to do that first And I flew by myself and I still remember when I was packing for this trip and my mom was like trying to help me pack and she was putting hangers in my bag for my clothes. And I was like, mom, I don't need to bring hangers. They have hangers in France. And she was like, well, I don't know what you need because you're going to be all alone. And it's just like on the verge of a mental breakdown. And I was like, oh, this is hard for my mom. I was like, it didn't register that it was like an adventure for me, but it was also terrifying for her. And she like broke down crying and I was like, I promise I'll call, like all the things. And the funny thing was like, I found this language program like online. It was just on a website mm-hmm. and it was like, send your a check to this address. And I just yeah. did it. And I'm like, eh? And so I got That's there. back in the day. You, know, you yes. couldn't pay online. You couldn't get a receipt. No, they're just like, <laughs> okay, you're you're confirmed, you know, to my like Yahoo account or whatever. And I I'd taken a year of French at college. And so mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I was like, oh, I speak French. An immersion program, that'll be cute. I got to Montpellier. And not only is it not, French is different, just like English. Like there are accents of that language and like everywhere you go, it's different. And I got there and I had a French family and none of them spoke English, like mom, dad, and a little boy. It was a white lady, a black man, and her black son who was like six. He was starting kindergarten. And the mom was like, it's both of your first day of school in French. She's just like, vous êtes... Les deux, les, les nouveaux étudiants. And I'm like, yeah. And then after that, I didn't understand <laughs> anything she said. <laughs> but at any rate, so I remember the first time I went to order food at a counter by myself. And it was at like a food court in a mall because Montpellier is a big college town. So there are a lot of universities mm. and a lot of young people. So it's a really cool city. And when I went by myself to go order food and I was like, oh, I can't read the menu. I can't read anything on here. Let me go by sight. And I was like, that's a quiche. I know that's a quiche. That word is quiche. I'm ordering it. I get to the front and I'm like, un quiche, s'il vous plaît. And the lady proceeds to ask me a bunch of questions. Oh, no. (laughs) And every question she said, I said, oui, oui, oui. And then she's like, she looks confused and she's like, and I'm like, oui. And she's like, lequel? Lequel? And I'm like, uh, and it means which one? Like, she's like, which one? Because she's asked me this or this. And I'm going, we? I had no clue. And then I was like, uh, 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 les deux. <laughs> she's like, this she's like, poor woman, she just rolled her eyes and walked away and did some shit and gave me this cold ass quiche. And I was just like, I don't know what she asked me. And then it wasn't until years later. And I was just like, or months later when I finally got to Paris and I like with the rest of my school program and I like went out with a French student. I was like, what are all these questions? But they're like, do you want it for here to go? Do you want it heated or or cold? Oh, Do you cold. want it on a oh, on, with yeah. a napkin or a plate? Like they're asking you all these questions, and I was like, "Why are there so many 
questions. And I'm like, oh, those are, it's the same in America. America. (laughs) They have to ask you questions after you order a thing. It's like, are you eating here? Are you taking it with you? And I was like, well, so um, yeah, it was terrifying, but I realized I really love the South of France. And I think the thing I learned about myself and something that I really try and hold on to is that sometimes when I have like this spirit of adventure kick up, like I have to listen to it. And Mm -hmm. it happened a lot. Like when I finally did join my actual school in Paris, I like traveled all over Europe by myself. And I stayed two weeks after school ended and went to three different other places in France. I went to Switzerland by myself. I visited the Red Cross. I went to Ireland by myself. And I just went all over. And I had that same experience where the Irish people were speaking like in brogue. And I'm just like, I don't understand (laughs) English. (laughs) And then there are things they say differently, like fish and chips is a one and one And I I didn't know. It's like, oh, you want a one and one And I'm like, "Uh, what? (laughs) But I was just like, And obviously, as you get older, you really love security and that adventure kind of hits a little less frequently, I would say. Mm -hmm. But when I feel it, I'm like, find a date in the calendar and fucking make it happen because like how we did with Jamaica, where it's just like, you have to do it because if you don't, I never want to lose that because I feel like my parents did the most adventurous thing in the world by moving from Nigeria to the States. And now they have no sense of adventure and like they don't go anywhere. And I'm just sort of like, I don't want to lose the part of me that I inherited from them, which is adventure, go. And I'm like, yeah, I want to hold on to that. I love that because I think that life is just, and, and you know, I talk about sometimes, like I had a friend who who died pretty young of cancer. And I think about all the things he didn't get to do or all the things Mm. he didn't get to see. And so I'm just like, just go, just do it. Like, if you feel it, if you have the means, even if you don't have the means, figure some shit out. Now y'all got GoFundMes. (laughs) Shit, we didn't have that back then. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, try to figure out a way to, to indulge whatever it is, even if it's a road trip. I think travel is such growth. I'm glad that both of us got that out of the way young, you younger than me, because I can't <laughs> even imagine my parents letting me go somewhere at 19. That, yeah, that they were panicked. No. If you enjoyed our story type segment, let us know and send us some questions you'd like us to answer. Yeah, let us know what stories you want to hear from us, you know. Amy, do you remember those quizzes in the back of magazines that we used to take back in the day? Of course I do. Which one well, you got for me this time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a more up-to-date quiz uh, that we should take to close out this segment. Mm-hmm. So today's quiz uh, is which song on Beyonce's Renaissance album are you? Oh, I'm in. Okay. By the way, we will have this quiz in our show notes. So if you want to also find out which song you are which on I Beyonce's know you Renaissance do. album, which I know you do if you listen to this podcast, uh, <laughs> then you could take it as well. I'm so scared it's going to give me a whack song. <laughs> I bet I'm not getting all up in your mind. Don't you, don't you dare give me a baby boy. <laughs> all right. So the first question is choose a color. There's pink, there's white, there's blue, there's orange, and there's red, and there's purple. Well, Grace is going to choose purple. Yes, and you know that. Uh, I don't like any of these colors. <laughs> Sorry, Beyonce. I'm going to choose white, the absence of color. Okay. <laughs> That's not a racist for whatever reason. 
Uh, question number two. What does a nice date look like? Is it seeing a movie and at a cinema? I don't know why. <laughs> this has got to be a British quiz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a Nigerian quiz. Naira life. Oh, this is awesome. It's a Nigerian quiz. Okay, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> have some respect for my people, Grace. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, we have we share the same oppressor, the British. <laughs> um, seeing a movie at a cinema. Attending a concert. Eating at a fancy restaurant. Visiting an art gallery, hanging out at a beach, or after work drinks at a bar. Ooh, what are you hmm. going to say? I think I know. I think I would say eating at a fancy restaurant. I love a nice meal. If you're trying to get to know somebody, like, mm-hmm. you know, seeing a movie is great. But, you know, when you're Not sitting in a nice the dark. date. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to say visiting an art gallery. That is oh, that's my a good favorite date. Where do you get your best ideas? <laughs> a, in the bathroom. B, while surfing the internet. C, chatting with friends. D, in my dreams. Ooh. E, while I'm eating. Or F, while you're on the road. Oh, cool. Those are good options. In my dreams. Always. I see things so clearly in my dreams. I wake up oh, and I'm like, I got it. Interesting. And then I forget it. <laughs> I would have to say, I mean, it sounds gross, but in the bathroom, just simply because it's usually when I'm showering yeah. that I get a yeah. lot of ideas. Or just after I'd waken up, but that's not a option. So yeah. And I don't dream things. I just mm. sometimes when I wake up out of my sleep, I have an idea. Yeah. But out of these in the shower. Yeah, cool. Choose an ice cream flavor. Mm. None of these um, are vegan. Mm. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant. No, no, I don't no, eat ice cream. Cookies and okay, cream. I'm gonna I'm gonna slap vegan at the front of every flavor. Okay, okay you're right. <laughs> so cookies and cream, chocolate chip, banana, ugh, ugh. Uh, salted caramel, <laughs> strawberry, or coconut. It'd have to be salted caramel for me. Cookies and cream for me. Cool. Cute. Which, oh, wow. These are people I do not know. But choose a Nigerian artist that would slap on a collab with Beyonce. Wow. That's how you know it's a Nigerian quiz. Wow. <laughs> World, Kiz Daniel, okay. Fireboy, Fave, Asake, and Asa. Wow. I thought I knew Nigerian artists, and I guess I don't. I know. I've heard of Fireboy, so I'm going to say Fireboy. Okay. I like the name Fave. So cool. <laughs> I've heard of Asake, but I, the rest of them I don't know. Oh, wow. How come Burna Boy wasn't a choice? But anyway, that's all right, Nigerians. Teach us. Yeah, I'm going to look up all these people afterwards. Um, choose something to eat with bread. LOL. <laughs> I love these questions. They're so good. Okay. <laughs> Egg, beans, butter, honey, mm. ground nut. I don't mm. even know what that is. Or sausages. Ground nut is like peanut butter. Oh, this is a hard one for me. I'm torn between three because it's definitely not beans, ground nut, or sausages. Okay. It's going to be I egg, like butter, honey. honey for I'll me. Say honey. <laughs> what are you going to say? I'm going to get honey. I kind of want to say honey too, I think. But I'm like, the thing that I eat the most often with bread is egg. But I actually think honey. If someone laid out these choices and was like, you can have one today, I would, I would pick butter actually because I never have butter. <laughs> I'm so torn. Wait, how do I pick? Okay, I'm going to say honey so I can match you. I'll say okay, honey. Okay, cool. Okay, and the final question is, choose a superpower. Invisibility, super speed, Ooh. mind control, hmm. time travel, super strength, or shape shifting. This is so easy. Mind control. <laughs> I would say, hey, executives, pick up my show. Like, I'm oh. like, mind control in a heartbeat. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Because listen, invisibility. Who get? I don't want to be invisible. I don't want to be invisible. Talk about me. Exactly. I, so that's terrifying. Hear people hating? No, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah, super, super speed, speed is cool. That could be cool. I could get more done. Uh, time travel. I'm black. Absolutely, the fuck not. Unless I'm going to the um, future. Because <laughs> I don't even know if you go in the future. Because I used to think that if you go in the future, it'd be better. But guess what? We Look here. What <laughs> super strength. I don't care about that. Shape shifting. Okay, I'm gonna do mind control. <laughs> All right, which song are you? I'm not even surprised. Okay. okay. What's mine? Oh, it's mine. I got a good oh. one. What is it? Okay, this, this is an all right one. What? Say yours first. I got Alien Superstar. Of course I did. Uh, whip, whip. Whip, whip. <laughs> Beautiful, smart, and daring. You're always the main character. My job is to be a bad bitch. That's literally what it says. Oh. <laughs> I got the best so- fucking song. I'm so excited. <laughs> Well, I got an okay one too, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's the only acceptable one to start the album with, in my opinion, uh, is you got cozy. Oh, you work that's good. hard and smart and you don't give a shit about what others think about you. You're the main deal. And then I, there's a little snapping white woman saying, you a bad bitch. Oh yeah. Mine is a black woman like sitting on the floor surrounded by clothes <laughs> with a headband on. It says, my job is to be a bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my joke so is. I guess you a bad bitch no matter who, what No song matter you what. Are. But also, I actually think our songs fit us. I do. Because I'm like, that description actually is like really accurate for you. And I do feel, I don't know about, I don't always feel like I'm the main character, but I'm really trying to embody the fact that I could be. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I actually, I don't know why. It's like real meaningful to me that I got Alien Superstar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do like Cozy because, you know, I am struggling every day to be comfortable in my skin. Yeah. Uh, cozy with who I am. And Come I love on, myself. Goddamn. Like, I, that's, on. it's almost like an affirmation for me. Yeah. Uh, that song, you know. Because yes. um, I feel that way sometimes, but, you know, a lot of times I don't. So, uh, that was so fun. That was super oh, fun. I love that quiz. Stuff. Oh my God. That was that great. That was a fun quiz. And I love it. It came from your people. You yes. Know. Thank you, Nigel. No day can relapse. Cool. Well, if you enjoyed our story time segment, let us know. To close this out, we're going to do our creative tap in, which is our segment about creativity. Are you ready for this week's quote? Yes, ma'am. Negativity is the enemy of creativity. That's by David Lynch. Ooh, Zaddy. Negativity is the enemy of creativity. David Lynch. Well, as you already heard, I said, ooh, Zaddy, because I love (laughs) David Lynch. (laughs) I have loved him since I lived in Paris. After I graduated from college, I moved to Paris and there was a museum. I'm forgetting which museum, but they did a David Lynch retrospective all his art from childhood to now. And even as a kid, he was like a fucked up little kid because he, when he was like four or something, he watched his family home burn down. And so he used to draw his house on fire on little post-its and notebooks as a child. It was like real creepy shit. And he'd be like, here is me also on fire. Here is me, my head on the ground, all this creepy shit. And his teachers were like, uh, your son is a not okay. (laughs) And the parents were like, he's working through it artistically. Let him be. And his parents just supported his art and were like, let him work it out. And I'm like, literally, what would the world be if people had been like, stop drawing David Lynch? Like he could have been a fucked up kid, but instead he literally did work it out artistically. And he started drawing and then making comic strips and all these books. And then he started filming things and like, 
I feel like he had positivity, maybe not from school, but from his family, positivity mm-hmm. around him, realizing that art was therapeutic for him and it made mm-hmm. him more creative. So it's not surprising yeah. to me that he would say negativity is the enemy of creativity because when there's more positivity around him, he got to make more art. The other thing I like about this quote is there's this myth that like, you know, to be funny, it comes from misery, like laugh at my pain kind of thing, like laugh to keep from crying. And like a lot of stand-up comics kind of like talk about their foundations of like misery and sadness to be good at their art. And I remember Seth Rogen was profiled one time. And he's like, I have two parents who love me. I grew up in a good home. You don't have to be miserable to be funny. And I remember being mm-hmm. like, that's so awesome to hear. Like you can have positivity around you and be creatively interesting in a comedic way. And I like the idea of realizing that we don't have to be tortured artists. Mm. Um, That's a choice. And sometimes torture does breed creativity, but sometimes so does light. And Mm -hmm. that to me is fascinating. And it's nice to hear it from David Lynch, who's made some weird shit, like Mulholland Drive. Like he's made some weird shit. But I think it comes from a place of looking for human light, which is really cool. Anyway, Mm. what does the quote make you think, Grace? Yeah, I I was thinking in a a similar headspace to you. I was just like, yeah, I feel like there is sort of a perception of self-flagellation as an artist or feeling like, you know, you have to go to all these dark spots in your mind Mm -hmm. to, like, be creative. And sometimes it's just like, go work that out with your therapist, boo. Like, (laughs) let's, let's create from a place that, yes, of course, your pain is going to lead you to certain stories or certain... Things in your life are going to be explored, you know, negative or positive. But I think that there's some people that think that that's the only well from where creativity can spring. Also, sometimes it makes me think, you know, as somebody who's kind of getting ready to put a piece of of my writing out into the world, Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes when you see all the negative discourse online, it can sort of affect your creativity because you're like, I got to think about this or I make, yeah. I got to make sure I don't offend this person or I, I can't do this. And so sometimes your creativity is stunted because yeah. you're just like trying to think about being as inclusive as possible, which is great. I think we all should be as artists thinking about that. But sometimes it can feel like you're trying to get ahead of criticism, mm-hmm. which is the enemy of creativity. Because if you're just sitting there being like, oh, this might upset somebody, not because it's offensive, it's just because I'm trying to think I'm mentioning this community. So if I'm mentioning this community, do I have a right to mention? Like, there's just so much Mm -hmm. that goes into our current world where like Twitter kind of rules whether your work is successful or not successful. But it just makes me try to remind myself that when I'm, creating or at least doing your first mm-hmm. attempts at anything, it's really hard to like try to pre-figure out what the criticism is going to be. So I think that that's just a good reminder to, of course, be sensitive, but at the same time, don't be so worried about every single solitary thing that it yeah. cripples you from doing anything at all, you know? I agree. Yeah. Stay creative. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, 
We'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracie Act. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And keep creating. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. The show's production team includes senior producer Sierra Spragley-Ricks and associate producer Jess Panzetta. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by Miju Sayuni and talent booking by Marion Waves. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org and remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Walk that fucking duck, girl.